Hello and welcome to episode 81 of the Atlanta Man podcast. And on today's episode, we will be talking the fallout of Dansby Swanson signing with the Chicago Cubs. We'll talk about Desmond Ritter's debut with the Falcons and Saints game. And uh, we're going to wrap things up at the end with some Hawks talk. Uh, not a lot of positives this week, but uh, we're going to we're going to make do. But uh, I'm here once again with my friend Evan Etheridge. Uh, how you doing, man? Yo, yo, what's going on, man? Pretty good, pretty um, good. Yeah, uh, not the best week um, as not a lot went right for any of the teams <laughs> as uh, so different variations of things going bad, but uh, still nothing too great nonetheless. But uh, we'll start off with the Braves and uh, Dansby. He officially is out of town, um, kind of kind of knew this was coming. There was still a chance we thought that Dansby could return to the Braves, but uh, it didn't end up happening. He goes to Chicago, joins the Cubs on a seven-year, $177 million contract. Uh, nothing too surprising, really, with the team. The number, uh, probably around the range everybody was expecting, maybe a little lower with how the market was looking with the other shortstops. So, uh, yeah, what was uh, your, what's your first reaction um, to the deal as a whole with the Cubs, the years? Would you have done this? All that kind of stuff. Um. Yeah, so – my initial reaction was good for Dansby. Um, you know, it sucks to see him leave, but, uh, you know, he played such a vital role in that world series team and, and throughout the rebuild, really, he was, he was here throughout the, the later years that come up. And, um, yeah, I just want to thank him first and foremost, you know, I, I wouldn't have done this deal if the Braves, I think the Braves made the right call not to do this deal. Um, just knowing Dansby very streaky <clears throat> at the plate, you know, you, you know what you have in him. Uh, defensively, he's a stud. Um, you know, it, it kind of leaves us in a little hole for a little bit. But I think ultimately it was the right decision not to resign him, um, especially for $25 million a year. I think that is um, a lot of money. You know, with it was tough with the other shortstops setting the market so high. Um, you knew he was most likely not coming back because the Braves uh, just refused to to give him that many years for that much. Um, I think the final Braves offer was six years, a hundred million. Um, so Dansby ended up getting another year and 77 million more dollars. So I don't blame him one bit here. Uh, good for him. Um, I know he recently just got engaged. So his wife's there, um, or married. And so his wife is there and he's in Chicago. So, so just all around good, good week for him. And, but you know, it really sucks to see him leave. So. Yeah. Um, it is bittersweet. I agree with you on the point of I wouldn't do this if I was the Braves. Just knowing um, the Braves, how they operate money-wise, organizationally, like knowing all the details around that, this just doesn't really fit into what they do. And I get that. But if, if the Braves would have done this, though, like I don't think I would have been like mad. You know, If they would have given the same exact contract, I'd have been surprised. But you know, I would have still been, you know, all right, they're spending money. It's not my money. But uh Still, it's just not really what they do. But uh, yeah, you're right. All the stuff about Dansby, he was the longest tenured Brave. So back-to-back years, the Braves have lost their longest tenured player. So who would it be now? Ozzy? I think it would be Ozzy or Max Freed, one of the two. Yeah. Um, one of those two guys. So that's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Dansby, he was he fielded the last out to win the World Series. So that's uh, that means something. 
He was a good player for the Braves over this past three years, really, um, despite having kind of a rough start to his career as a whole. But, uh, yeah, I'll miss Dansby. Love Dansby. Braves legend for sure. World champion forever, all that stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, not not anything too surprising with the way things were going. But uh, still, you're still kind of head in the back of your head. Maybe they could pull something off. But it didn't end up happening. So uh, that can kind of segue us into the other uh, topics. Um with the outfield and stuff, but uh, yeah, again, any last, uh, last words on Dansby? Yeah. Like you said, the world series clip three, the three guys that touched the ball in that final player, all uh, no longer Braves, uh, oh, Will Smith to Dansby to Freddie. I mean, that clip, that clip has just gotten shorter and shorter. Um, yeah, it really sucks, man. I, it's, it's actually pretty crazy to believe that Dansby Swanson got more money than Freddie Freeman did. Yeah, an um, extra year. It's, it's, yeah, it is yeah. wild. It's just so, that market this year was insane. So, absolutely. And so, you know, I, I think, if you did this deal, um, with Dansby, like let's say we offered him the same deal for the Cubs, he accepted. I really don't understand why you wouldn't have got Freddie. And so, I, yeah, I just, yeah. So I, I just think this was the right call. Um, there's, there's no need to really, you know, I mean, it, it's just a weird, tricky spot to be in. Um, with Dansby, just you just don't know what you have offensively in him. He's gotten better every year, and so it's just it's just a tough call. And I, I think we made the right call. That's a lot of money. Um, yeah, that's that's really all I've got on that. So it just really sucks, but it is what it is. Yeah, they they kept it consistent with their just game plan, I guess you could say. But with these last two years between Freddie and Dansby, they just they make their line in the sand and they don't move like they they won't blink i mean it's you know it's just how it is i think at the end of the day that's a positive um for the organization as a whole that they don't make like compulsive decisions off of emotions and you know all, all that stuff i mean they let freddie freeman walk like they they dansby swanson was um very important to the brace much lower on the totem pole so like I, they didn't sweat to watch him leave i don't think so uh yeah uh, i think we summed it up good there gonna miss dansby Interesting to see what's going to happen to shortstop. We can get into that in a second, but I kind of want to talk about the outfield now because they actually did something uh, right before we start recording. Actually, Jordan Luplo is part of the team now. A one-year, $1.4 million deal. That was the first big league signing of the offseason for the Braves. They were one of three teams that haven't made one yet, along with the Marlins and the Brewers. So they are off that list. Took them long enough. Um, not a Not a very sexy one. And uh, I'll let you give your thoughts first for I for I go because I got some thoughts if this is their plan, but I, I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I saw the name and I immediately had to look up his baseball reference because I don't know who that is. And I mean, I've heard the name, but I really didn't know anything about him. And that's practically what you get when you look at his baseball reference page. Uh, six years in the league. Um, he only has a 2.2 war over his career. This is all baseball reference, so I know the numbers are a little different. But yeah. career, uh, 213 batting average um, with 45 home runs. And so I, I just – I don't know um, defensively how he is. Um, I know in 83 games last year he had 11 home runs. So he has a little pop. Um, but I don't really know too much about him. Um, if, if you If you can speak on him, do so. But uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. 
Yeah, I wouldn't consider myself a Jordan Luplo expert, um, but I know a little bit. I know his overall uh, game, um, you know, it's kind of like funny. The only reason like I know him, know him was, yeah, 2021, he was on the Rays and he had a grand slam in the playoffs. So he's got that under his belt. So good for him. But uh, yeah, he's known for hitting lefties. Um, he didn't do that last year at all, though. But his career numbers against lefties are pretty good. He's got a career 841 OPS against left-handed pitching, a 125 WRC plus. So that's uh that's all good, good numbers. But last year he wasn't good at all. Um his OPS last year against lefties was 673. That's good for an 85 WRC plus, so 15% below average. And um his defense is actually pretty solid. His defensive metrics are good. They're um, nothing crazy, but I think he's just a solid defender. I know his on his baseball savant page, I think he's 96 percentile in arm strength. So I think he has a cannon. Uh, so he, I think he's fine defensively, um, but the way people are talking about this and people, I mean, like kind of like brave reporters, people that I have some sort of trust of what they're saying, they're kind of treating this as like he is platooning with Eddie and that's the left field solution. And if that's what they're doing, that's bad. Like that's really, really bad and honestly unacceptable just because of how bad Eddie was last year. Luplo wasn't much better. Um, I know he's better defensively, but uh, he um, he uh, excuse me, hear my dog barking outside. Jesus, but um, he yeah, he's just not very good. You know, he's kind of a journeyman left fielder, kind of just got passed around the league. Doesn't really do much. Um, you know, at his peak in like 2019, he really mashed lefties, but it's been downhill ever since. So it's uh, yeah, it's. I hope this is just like a fourth outfielder bench signing. I hope that's what it turns out to be. Hopefully they have something bigger in the works. Um, but yeah, that's what I got on it right now. It's fine. It's perfectly fine if he's a bench player. I like it if he's a bench player, honestly. But if he, if you pencil him in to play every game against lefties, I don't like it at all. So I don't know what you think, but that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think he'll he'll kind of play that Robbie Grossman role where he kind of just yes, that, plays exactly. matchups. That's what it needs to be, yes. Yeah, I don't think this is a guy that you're going to split starting time in left field. Um, I think there's better options out there right now in free agency. Um, but yeah, it really seems like the Braves are going cheap here after we've heard that Liberty Media is upping their payroll. Um, we have seen the complete opposite this offseason and it's it's been kind of dead, really. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not too sure about the signing, you know, you know, platoon them here and there. Um, but but player matchups, but just I, I don't think this is a guy that you bring in to to compete for a starting role. And if, you know, if you're going to take them seriously, this is just a joke. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's, I agree. And really things didn't get much better as far as the FL go, because a bunch of guys went off the board this weekend too. Andrew Benintendi, who was the big dog left in the outfield. He got signed to the white Sox. JD Martinez. He's gone to the Dodgers and Michael Brantley went back to the Astros. Michael Brantley is my guy. That's what I really wanted. So I was kind of upset to see him go. But um, yeah, can, far... can we talk about uh, the Michael Brantley deal real quick? Oh yeah, sure. I think it was uh, only one year, eleven million. I think it was yeah, eleven or twelve, something like that. I mean, that is not a lot for for a guy that's solid still. Yeah, he can he can hit, man. I think what did him in was he got hurt and missed like the second half of last season altogether and missed like the entire playoffs. So I think that might be the reason. But I think he was making sixteen million before, and he was just as good. But you know, injuries and being a year older is what I would expect. But yeah, it's like weird. The Astros are just like, oh yeah, we'll just take him back. Like no one else wants him. It's like no, he still he can still hit. Like the dude has never not hit ever. Like so, I thought yeah. he'd been a good fit, left field DH. But I guess the Braves didn't. But uh, 
yeah, definitely interesting. The Astros, I mean, good for them. They just keep loading up, but they're going to be yeah, good. seriously. But uh, as far as guys that are left, um, we can just run through the names here and see if anyone pique your interest. Uh, Jerks and Profar, switch hitter. Eh, eh. Uh, AJ Pollock, David Peralta is a lefty, so maybe not him. Um, Tommy Pham, mm, Dom Smith, but he can't play left field. Uh, our old friend Travis Demerit's a free agent. Alex Dickerson, Braves legend. <laughs> it's not much. It's that's the point I'm making. And as far as let me pull up the DHs real quick because Braves still need a DH. Also, um, it's Nelson Cruz, which is um, you know he's very famous, but he was not super good last year. And then you got Andrew McCutcheon, who that'd be interesting, I guess. Luke Voigt, maybe. Uh, so I mean, there's still some names out there to fill the left field and DH roles, but um, it's nothing too sexy. Nothing too sexy at all, but a guy like I think like Profar or Pollock or um who else was on there? McCutcheon or um what was the other one? Tommy Pham. Those would be more acceptable options, I think, over Luplo and Rosario. I think. I don't know what you think. What do you think about those guys? If you have any favorites. Yeah, two names actually that you didn't mention that I, I kind of have circled is uh one is Trey Mancini, um, coming off the Astros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's interesting because he's kind of had a couple down years since his um, illness. Uh, so, you know, I think, you know, he showed signs last year on Baltimore of, of still having some something left in the tank. I mean, he's only 30 years old. And I mean, I know he kind of struggled with Houston um, running into the playoffs, especially. Um, but I think he's still an interesting name. Um, you know, I, I would like to see Trey, Trey Mancini. Um, another name. Brandon Drury, he kind of had a revitalized season last year with before getting trade traded to the Padres, I think. Yeah. Um, so you know he's got pop. He can play left field. Both of them can play left field. Both of them can DH. Uh, I think I think those are two interesting names that I kind of have circled. Yeah, those are good too. Um, I think yeah, Mancini's interesting because the Braves were linked to him a couple years ago when uh, Ozuna was a free agent and they didn't know if it was going to back coming back, there was a rumor that the Braves checked in to trade for him. So that's definitely uh, an interesting name. And uh, Brandon Drury was once upon a time a Braves prospect. So I think, I think def- definitely both those guys are options for DH. You could put them in left field just to hide them out there. I don't think either, either of them would be great defensively, but definitely just put a body out there that can hit a little bit. Um, those are definitely interesting. So there's still, some room to make marginal signings, but um, it's like not let's say like go trade for Brian Reynolds, which he's like the yeah. big fish right now, which they could do that. But I just can't imagine a world where they get that deal done without Von Grissom being involved. And then you like your shortstop situation is Arcia, or if you want to sign Elvis Andrews or Jose Iglesias, it's like, yeah, you if you do that, then you're giving up Vaughn. It's it's kind of a mess. They've had a messy offseason. Nothing has been great so far. Every move they've made has just been like a little questionable, at least. Like even the Sean Murphy deal, I think we both liked it. But at the same time, we're like, it wasn't like a huge need. You know, it was the catcher yeah. looked good. And still, there was still like a little bit of questioning to that deal. So yeah, before we move on to the Falcons, we should talk about shortstop a little bit. What we should do now with Dan's be gone. If it was up to you, what would you do? Is it Vaughn? Is it Elvis Andrews? What do you think? Yeah, Vaughn's starting. Um, I the more and more I thought about it, the more I want to see him start. I think he 
you know, I think he could be a Jer- Jeremy Pena kind of guy where he just steps in and fills the role immediately. Um, you know, de- defensively is a little questionable, um, but we know what we saw signs of him in, 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 in the offense. Um, he is, he's good, man. And he's only 20, 21. So I, I think you give him a shot, you give him a role kind of pass the, <clears throat> pass the torch a little bit here. Um, I think this is a new era uh, at shortstop for, uh, for the Braves. Yeah, either way, it's a new era, no matter what they do. Um, if they want to go with Vaughn, you know, I'm fine with that. I think that is probably the highest upside move. But, um, you know, I just don't know how the Braves think. I tried to think how they think, but I just can't do it sometimes. They uh, they got their own plan. Maybe they don't think he's ready, and maybe it is Elvis Andrews. Or, you know, everybody's been talking about Andrews as being the guy. Jose Iglesias is also a free agent. Um, they're both just older guys. Like, there would be stop gaps at the very least. Um, so yeah, it's uh yeah, the Braves they just haven't made the big move after um saying they're gonna up payroll. They kind of went on their little flexing spree of making the Braves their own like stock and all that stuff. It was like they're kind of it's like it's just kind of interesting that you're doing all this. You're kind of flexing, like I said, you're just not really doing much about it, you know, you're not really proving it. And um yeah, I just don't really get the comments and the little stock thing that like i just i don't know it's weird it's I mean, it's very tough too when the phillies and the mets have had yeah. the offseason they've had i mean look we are still very good we're going to be competitive um there's no doubt in my mind it's just it really sucks seeing everyone around you have a great time and we're doing absolutely nothing we're making little penny and dime moves watching players walk i mean it just really sucks but we are still the atlanta braves and we're still going to be very good next year i i'm not Two word. Yeah, it seems like I think they're really banking on Ronald, Ozzy, and even Matt Olson to be better next year. Because I know Ron- Ronald was fine; like he wasn't Ronald Acuna all caps, but he was still good. But you know, he was still banged up; his knee wasn't great. He was having to DH a lot, all that stuff. Ozzy got hurt multiple times and so wasn't great when he played. And Matt Olson, while he was he was good last year, um, we definitely think he could be better. So I think they're really banking on that a lot. Maybe some improvement from Michael Harris too. I just, yeah, it's weird because on paper, the team's worse. Like no Dansby, no upgrades anywhere, losing Contreras. You know, you put plug in Sean Murphy, but I still think on paper the team is worse to last year's team, but that you still got to account for guys having bounce back years, which I think is, I think Acuna, it's no doubt. Like I, I know Fangraphs released their um like way too early projections for next year. And they have Acuna be have like projected to be the best hitter on the team next year. Like above Riley, above Olsen, above all those guys. So they're definitely banking on some positive regression from Acuna and Albies. And uh yeah, but they still gotta supplement the roster. I mean, they've they've barely done anything. Like I, I know Murphy was a big trade, but it was just kind of like a weird move, lateral move, nothing to make the team like a a lot better when you look at like the Phillies and the Mets, like you said, for like that meme of Squidward in his house looking at SpongeBob and Patrick playing in the front yard. That's yeah. what it feels like right now. <laughs> so there's yeah, they got I mean, I'm I'm not judging the offseason yet and saying it's a failure because it's not over, but you know, if all they do is sign Luplo and that's it for the outfield and they're just gonna roll those unit DH and Vaughn's the shortstop, it's just like you can't do that. Like that's not, that's not, you can't be serious and do that, you know? So I'm, I'm not judging it yet. I'm not going to say it. it's a failure yet. Give it more time. It's only December. They still got a few months, but uh, as of right now, it's a mess. It's a, it's a huge mess. It's like, it's just weird. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah. You got any more uh, brave thoughts? Should we uh, talk about this 
delightful game against the Saints. <laughs> yeah, they're they're hoping that Strider and Freed carry the weight pitching. Morton comes back healthier with regression. Yeah. Rosario, Ozuna, they're they're banking on all of these guys being better next year, and I think they have a, a good reason for <clears throat> Acuna and Olson second year being in Atlanta. Albies be back. They definitely have some good points there. Um, these guys are going to be back, and I, I do think they'll be better. Um, but you're really banking on that, and so it's just a little risky. Um, you know, we'll see what they'll do. Uh, you know, it'll all play out for sure. I think, I think we're still going to be the Atlanta Braves. I mean, I, I, there's no doubt. So, um, yeah, yeah, we can move on to the Falcons game now if you're ready. Yeah, you mentioned Eddie. I just want to talk about Eddie real quick. Go about him being better. Like, there's no way. Eddie is any worse than he was last year. So that's a good right. point because he has, he just has to be better. <laughs> yeah. If he's not better next year, he's off the roster. They're going to DFA him. Like, so, and Ozuna too. I know um, I talked about those um, fan grass projections. They have Ozuna being good next year. They have him being yeah. above average. So I don't, I don't know if I buy that. Ozuna still hits the shit out of the ball. That's why he's still projected to be good. Um, so maybe he could, maybe he could be, I don't know. The Braves, I mean, Anthopolis is still Anthopolis. I trust him. But it's just weird. It's weird vibes so far. So, yeah, we can move on to the Falcons now. And I talk about the Saints game. And it was also Desmond Ritter's NFL debut, which uh, didn't go great. Didn't go – I mean, it did kind of go really bad at the end. But um, <laughs> stuff – there are some positives. But we'll just talk about the talk about the game now. We'll talk about that later. So, uh, just going through what happened. The Falcons, they got down big early in this one. And that kind of uh, put them in a big hole they really couldn't get out of. But they did uh, come back and make this game. But they were – down 14 to nothing with eight minutes left in the first quarter, which, you know, that's never good when that happens. But um, uh, they had a Jawan Johnson touchdown who just torched the Falcons in this game. Um, Rashid Chahid, who is so fast, uh, he caught a Taysom Hill touchdown pass, which I always hate that. And uh, yeah, that was that was the first two Saints possessions while the Falcons did nothing. So um, before we get into the Falcons kind of getting back into this game, what were your thoughts when it was 14 to nothing? With like in a blink of an eye, really. Yeah, I think me and you share this deep, deep, passionate hate for Taysom Hill. Like it, it is in my bones. I do not like the guy. He irritates the hell out of me. He and is I don't Brandon really Nemo of the NFL. Literally, like yeah. I can't stand him. <laughs> um, you know, he's never done anything to me, like or anything. I just his face, his he went he went to BYU, which is like ah, uh, like he's a Mormon. It's just gross. Like I I hate him. <laughs> and the weird. way they use him, like he plays every and he kills position. us. He kills us too, and it's effective. That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was tough to see go down fourteen zero because it kind of makes the offense one dimensional to a little bit. Um, but yeah, the first half we made Andy Dalton look like prime Tom Brady. Like he was yeah. just doing what he wanted. Um, picking picking the secondary apart like he, the the receivers were getting separation um, and all Andy Dalton had to do was just throw it to him. I mean, it was just it was just a very very poor first half defensively as well. Yeah, um, but the the defense did settle into their credit a little mm-hmm. bit after um, going down fourteen nothing. Let the Falcons get back in this one. Uh, Koo kicked a field goal in the uh, second quarter to make it fourteen to three, and then uh, pretty early into the second half. The Tyler Algier, who had probably his best game so far as a NFL player, yeah. um, scored a touchdown to make it 14 to 10. And all of a sudden you got a game right there. Um, but then Jawan Johnson, once again, it's Andy Dalton's favorite target, scores another touchdown. That makes it 21 to 10. 
but the Falcons punch back. Uh, Cordero Patterson, he scores a touchdown. Then Tyler Algier again uh, makes a nice play, getting a two-point conversion, and that kind of sets the stage for the end of the game. 21-18, to 18, Falcons are right in it, and uh, they get a big stop um, late in the game. Um, pretty, pretty huge play, three and out to get the ball back, and uh, Falcons are pinned back at their 10-yard line, I believe. Yeah, it was 10-yard line, and they had to drive – with a had a chance to go on a drive to win the game with about six minutes left. And uh, things look pretty good for most of it until they got to midfield and they kind of stalled out and they end up having a fourth and five play uh, that uh, had a chance to end the game right there. If they didn't get it, Um, they did get the first down, but an unfortunate turn of events, Drake London gets the ball popped loose. Saints recover. They uh, get a first down able to milk the rest of the clock. And uh, that was the game right there. So uh, before we get into the overall, you know, thoughts on this game and thoughts on Ritter, what were your thoughts on that last sequence of uh, that tough, tough, tough fumble to end the game? Yeah, um, it sucked, man. Uh, Drake London was having a good game. Um, he, was. he was he was big for us. Uh, he looked really, really good with Ritter back there because that was his favorite target. I mean, he was throwing him the ball every other every other time. He had eleven targets. Um, the next high uh, target leader on the team was uh, Michael Pruitt, Michael Pruitt with three targets. And so, you know, he was doing all the work today. Uh, Drake London was, and um, it just really sucked because that was, we were in field goal range. You know, all you had to do was go down, you know, you have take a couple shots, in the end zone, maybe score with 40 seconds left, um, you know, but it just, uh, it was just unfortunate, man. Like, I feel like I got deja vu when he fumbled the ball. I can't remember the game where the defensive end was it Khalil Mack, right? Oh, the that Chargers game against the Chargers where he came and stripped it from behind Drake London inside. Oh, the five yeah. Line. Yep. 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 I thought you were talking about, um, Daquan Graham's fumble without being touched, but, um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. So that's twice Drake London has, has had secu- ball security issues, um, in at the end of the game. Um, so it was just, it sucked, man. I was heartbroken because, because Desmond Ritter really put us into a great position to win that game and to just, to just, to just lose it like that really, really sucked. Yeah. And I mean, London's a rookie too. I mean, there's a lot of rookies on this team. So come a little bit of slack. It sucks. Like it was, it's a tough play, especially against the saints and just the way things have gone this year. I mean, I'm trying to think in my head, this game, the Steelers game, Chargers game, the Commanders game, the Rams game. And that's just off the top of my head. All five of those games pretty much ended with a turnover by the Falcons. Yeah. So Mariota threw picks in three of them. Then you had the um fumble in this game. And then the uh, I mentioned a second ago the no fumble from Taquan Graham against the Chargers. It's like it just keeps keeps on being brutal, just brutal losses. Um so yeah, it's kind of uh been a theme of the season. A lot of games have gotten away. And the Falcons could be in actually a really good spot if they could have a few things go different, which sucks. But um, yeah, uh, as far as Ritter goes, um, had a pretty rough start, in my opinion. I mean, it's his first game. You know, that's kind of to be expected. His numbers, it's uh, 13 of 26 for 97 yards. That's not great, but uh, didn't didn't throw any picks, didn't throw any passes really that I thought were like interceptable balls that were just bad. Um, really, I think he looked fine overall. Like it's nothing crazy. Didn't look fantastic. He didn't look horrible. He was just fine. Um, you know, like you said, Drake London, I thought he was really good. Seven catches, 70 yards. He was definitely 
far and away his favorite target, which is um, definitely an optimistic thing uh, for the future that they've already had got a pretty good connection. It sucks that Kyle Pitts wasn't be able to be out there uh, to see how they look together with the offense as a whole. Uh, but uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Ritter before we talk about the run game, which was great again? Yeah, I thought Ritter was a lot better in the second half. Um, but I actually think he had probably four balls that were questionable. Um, like they definitely easily could have been picked off. I know one was, you know, going to be a pick six. It was going to be a 96 yard pick six return. Uh, but the saints defender just dropped it, uh, right on, right on the four yard line, I think. Um, but yeah, dude, he's throwing to no one. There's no one he's like Drake London is it. That's the only person out there that is worthy of getting the ball thrown to him. So I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack, you know, I'm just imagining this offense with Pitts and Ridley out there, and my mind is just like, okay, this is legit. Like he's he has options. Um, no yeah, Ridley yeah. though. No Ridley. Ridley's gone. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, like, and they were some of the play calling was a bit questionable for him. Like I know out of the gate they were kind of letting him letting him rip. He was through through a couple of deep balls in this game, um, and none of them connected. It kind of explains this low yardage number so it's a lot of intermediate passes um a lot of slants and stuff like that but uh that ball he threw to drake london that ended up getting a fumble was like probably maybe his best throw of the game it was a really nice throw it was a dime fourth, yeah fourth fourth and five under pressure like that was really nice throw and catch if uh, london holds on to it we at least tie the game i think and maybe even win it so that's definitely tough but uh yeah we've talked about some most positive thing out of this game which was the run game especially tyler algier he was incredible. This game, his numbers are pretty nuts. 17 carries, 139 yards, and a touchdown, a two-point conversion, 8.2 yards a carry, a long of 43. He was just great. And, you know, Cordero Patterson was solid um, in his own right. Ritter, he had a few good scrambles for 38 yards, so that's good to see. And, uh, yeah, as a whole, ran the ball 39 times for 231 yards, about six yards a carry. You can't ask for any more other running game than that. They – Continue to just be really good this year. But uh, the one downside of the running game was Caleb Huntley on his one carry of the game towards Achilles. So he's done for the season, which I saw pretty unfortunate because he was he was solid, solid short down back. He was uh, he could he could get some yards when you needed him in a short, short down situation. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the run game? Because I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Like you said, Algier was explosive, shifty. Uh, I think he's going to be really, really good. So uh, super stoked with that. Um, our offensive line's playing great. Um, you know, rushing, rushing the ball is, has been our strength all year long. Um, and so no complaints there uh, at all. So really sucks for Caleb Huntley too. So, yeah. Um, and I saw uh, some Michael Turner comparisons for Tyler Algier that he's having a vintage Michael Turner game. And I like, it was, that's pretty accurate. Like he was running the ball, how Michael Turner did in his prime with the Falcons. So that's, um, that's always, a. Uh, Good comparison when you can uh, do that with one of the old guys, especially a guy that was as good as Michael Turner. So, yeah, um, definitely sucks losing the Saints, getting swept by them. That's never good. Uh, the Falcons are now one and six on the road this year, by the way, which is just really bad. Who do we even beat on the road? Who was it? I don't even remember. Um, maybe that no, wasn't the Panthers. I don't even know who it was. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's rough. Uh, we can get into the uh, standings now because there still is. Still are considerations with the standings, oddly enough. Um, I know I have written down here that 538 gives the Falcons a 3% chance to make the playoffs. And I might sound crazy here, but I think that's low. <laughs> I, I kind of think it's low. I don't just, I'm going to pull it up right now. Um, 
the Bucks lost again. So that that's why that's a big part why I think it's low. And it is just such a mess. Like this division is terrible. Horrid. Like it might like I know there's like I know the NFC South, like in twenty fourteen when the Panthers won, they were seven, eight, and one or something. And then there was a Seahawks team. I think the Seahawks team that um had the beast quake and beat the saints they were seven to nine like this happens in the nfl sometimes these teams squeak in but the bucks are in first they have a 73 percent chance with the playoffs and they're six and eight <laughs> uh so right now the saints falcons and panthers are all five and nine they're only a game back so i just i think three percent is a little low um considering that we have a game left with the bucks i don't know if we're going to win it um, but just of how big of a mess this division is, I feel like it's just a little bit higher. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Because they still have a chance, oddly enough. It's like they're still right there. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. Like you're kind of banking on – I'm trying to look at the schedule now. So New Orleans. The Bucks got um, the Cardinals, Panthers, then us. So I don't – I mean, they suck. They could lose both those games. They could lose all three. Like – but so could the Falcons. So every team could lose the rest of their games. Like it's that's not. I know they can't. I know they can't. Like that can't all. They can't all do it. But like it's all feasible that each team could lose three of their last three games. Like that's just possible. Because I know we got the Ravens next week, and I think Lamar is going to be playing. So and, and that's in Baltimore. So I, I don't think we're going to win that game. Kind of have to. I think the Fal- yeah, the Falcons have to win out to have a chance, but. After we play the Ravens, that's the Cardinals who don't have Kyler Murray and they they suck, and the Bucks who suck. So I mean, if you can pull off the subs against the Ravens, it's like you know you can kind of have a a bit of a clear path. I mean, probably need a little bit of help. I don't know the exact numbers and the exact scenarios need to happen with the other teams, but yeah, it's still kind of there. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, I I think it's over. I think it's zero. It probably chance. it probably is, but it's just like. It's just still like mathematically, there's still a chance, you know, it's like it's there a little bit. But yeah, I mean, just like watching the team, unless Ritter can figure something out quick, it's probably over. But yeah, you, you can you can go ahead and continue. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I think I think we should just go full tank mode, uh, you know, kind of spread the offense out a little bit, you know, just just let Ritter get some some quality time under center. Uh, I think, you know, we're still in the mix for getting a top five pick. Yeah, I so. think we're number seven as of right now. In the order, yeah. So. so we're very much, we're not officially eliminated from playoff. Can uh, yeah, because you already said that. It, it's yeah. just, I think, I think if you if you lose two out of three, you're you're gonna have top five pick. That's what it looks like. And so I am not opposed to just to just doing that. You know, kind of securing. I don't know if you go. I don't know what you're gonna go for in the draft. You can go wide receiver. You can go O line, D line. Um, but I think you need a top five pick to really get somebody. That, that you you have your eyes on for sure yeah i looked at tankathon today i can pull it up actually i know they had us at seven i think they had us getting um their mock edge rusher from texas tech i believe i forgot his name yeah tyree wilson is an edge rusher of texas tech i'm not super familiar but um yeah like just looking at the names right above them like it's will anderson jalen carter like, they could land one of those guys that'd be awesome um mm-hmm. but uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what they do um, if they maybe want to trade down, get some extra picks. If they don't love a guy, and maybe like get trade down to a team that wants to get up a little bit, and maybe get like Will Levis or something. If they really want a quarterback, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. That's that's down the road though. There's still three games left to figure this thing out. But uh, yeah, top five pick is definitely on the table, uh, for sure. 
So, yeah, you got any more thoughts on these birds before we move on to the Hawks? I do not, man. I do not. Yeah, so overall, weird week for the Falcons, and we'll talk about the Hawks now who – yeah, it's uh not great <laughs> now. Uh, they lost on Monday. Uh, we I know we kind of previewed that game a little bit because we were recording like right before it was about to start. Um, we were saying how like everybody was hurt and um this was going to be a rough one, and it was. Uh, Trey Murray, Bogey, Collins, and Capella were all out. And in my opinion, those are the five best players in the team. I don't know about you if you think like Hunter is better than Bogey. I don't I don't think so. I think Bogey when he's on is better than Hunter. Um, but I. Like at least five of your top six are out. Um, the Grizzlies did not have John ja Morant, but um, they're kind of historically like great without Jaw, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird. Um, and yeah, they took care of business. They beat the shit out of us. So it was one twenty eight to one hundred three. The Grizzlies are really really good, and that's not a surprising result at all. And I can't really like give too much thought because the Hawks just had nothing. They had nobody. It was Hunter and Griffin and. Everybody else, like, so, yeah. What do you think of this one? Because probably the most injury-riddled game of the season. Yeah, I didn't even bother. Uh, four out of five starters out, so you knew it was just going to be, from the get-go, it was it was, it was, was bad. And that's exactly how it played out. I thought it was just fitting that it was 128 to 103, our uh, <laughs> favorite numbers, 28 to 3. Yeah, magic number of Atlanta sports uh, showed up once again. Um, but uh, surprisingly enough, that was not even the worst game of the week for the Hawks. As we uh, move to the game against the Magic, who are bad, the Magic are bad, um, and kind of a historically bad first quarter for the Hawks in this one. They almost gave up the NBA record for most points in a first quarter. By one point, they were shy of. They got outscored 50-22 to 22 by the Orlando Magic. Um, and this game, they had um, not everybody back, but... Um, they had Trey back, Capella was back, Bogey was back. They were still without Collins and Murray, but still, like, come on. Uh, the Magic are not good, and getting just smoked by that much in the first quarter, uh, it's it's ridiculous. I Actually, I wasn't able to watch the first quarter of this game. I got to watch the last three, uh, which the last three they actually played pretty well, but it just didn't matter. So, yeah, what are your thoughts of this first quarter and just – just that number, because looking at fifty to twenty-two in the box score is just jarring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. Uh, I was checking in uh, on on the game cast, and that was insane, man. Fifty, they just came out hot and just they just buried us, buried us, buried the hatchet. I mean, fifty points is insane. Yeah, and uh, credit credit to the Hawks, and I guess um McMillan, because I know uh, like that night it was. Uh, there's already been a fire McMillan campaign this season and kind of last year too, but it was like heating up <laughs> on Wednesday. Cause I mean, like, honestly, I don't think they would have fired him after this game if they just like continued to get destroyed, but it would have been like, if the Hawks didn't show any fight and like, cause like the rest of the game, they outscored the magic by what uh 17 points. Like, so they showed some real fire. They actually came back and like got this thing down to d- the single digits. If they didn't, they just end up losing by like, 50 points or whatever to the magic who were nine and 20, like there would have been some serious consideration of like, Hey, is, is this going to work with Nate? Um, but they, they showed some fight. And I think that that's actually like actually meant something uh, really, um, even though it just doesn't like mean, mean anything on paper, but like, as far as vibes go, I think that does mean something. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so what are your thoughts on like that situation with Nate and how they play the rest of this game before we get into the one win of the week? That's a good point. I mean, definitely the the rumors are swirling right now with the locker room being in a being in a blender right now. So yeah. I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they definitely outscored them the rest of the game. So um, <laughs> it's just a rough start. I think you know we see in the next game that they get it they get it back together. And you know these bad teams, you, you need to beat them. You you got to take care of your your business, um, especially with Orlando being as bad they, as bad as they are. They're a one man wrecking crew right now. Um, so yeah, that's all. That's all I've got on that game. Yeah, we can move on to the uh, Friday game against the Hornets, which uh, went a lot better. Um, the Hawks actually played very well in this game. Um, they won one twenty five to one hundred six. Charlotte is also bad. They're actually worse than the Magic. They're seven and twenty two after this game. Uh, this was their seventh loss in a row. Um, granted, they were they had him without Lamelo Ball for a good portion of the season, but he was playing in this game. He actually played pretty well. Um, but just a real offensive outburst in this one and uh, got back to 500 because after losing to the magic, they actually dipped to 14 and 15. So just put them back at 15 and 15, but uh, Trey had a solid game, good shooting numbers for him, 31 points on 18 shots. Uh, didn't take a lot of threes, but made two out of five. So that's a pretty good number on a small sample, but uh bogey was great. This game, seven of 10 from three that that plays as always, he had 28 points. He was really good. Um, and but in uh we did I forgot to mention this in the magic game, Clank got hurt, like hurt, hurt. He's out for two weeks. I forgot to mention that. So um and uh, we'll talk about uh, Murray and Collins in a second, but uh yeah, they were without all three of those guys in this one. Kongu started at the five and didn't play a lot. He played 23 minutes, which is isn't a lot. Uh Frank Kaminsky actually played 22 minutes, so they pretty much had an even split right there. Um, you know, I think uh with a uh, Collins back, um, they're going to be experimenting a little bit with him at the five more. Uh, now that they have Hunter playing the four, some when with all those guys out. Uh, but uh, yeah, just a good offensive outburst in a game they really needed to win. And uh, yeah, that's all. That's really all I got on this one because they just they needed this. They kind of had to have it. Yeah, Frank Frank the Tank played very well off the bench. Um, yeah, twelve points plus seventeen. He actually won Defensive Player of the Game, which was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, but that's had, that's a big question. I don't know about that, but <laughs> hey, you gotta you gotta get the locker room up. You know, he's yeah, he's, that's good vibes. That's good vibes. He's a, he's a cheerleader on on the team, so you know, spread the love a little bit. I like it. So yeah, uh, him, AJ Griffin, and Aaron Holiday, all over plus fifteen. Really, every every starter, every yeah, every starter was in the plus, and then every bench player that got more than three minutes was in the plus. So just complete domination against a bad, bad, bad Charlotte charlotte team they 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 really just had lonzo lonzo was cooking um but yeah he was good they're very one-dimensional and so yeah just a solid win man you, you really needed that yeah and i think i don't know this by heart but like i feel like this has got to be one of their best shooting games this season i mean 52 percent from three it's very good 55 percent overall but they shot the ball very well and uh they need that maybe hopefully they saw that they're playing right now we're kind of recording a little bit later uh, they're playing the Magic right now. I don't. I have no idea what the score is. Um, probably check that. Some uh, live Magic. Okay, so still early in that one. Uh, so we'll talk about that next week. But uh, yeah, I know it kind of uh, it's kind of what you talked about before the game. But Collins and Murray are playing right now. Um, so uh, good to have them back. Like I said, Capella is out for at least two weeks with a calf injury, so that sucks. But at least we're getting these two guys back, and they're coming back a little bit ahead of schedule too, because um, I think. Collins just hit the two week mark and his was at least two weeks. So I think that was best case scenario for him. And Murray is only, he only missed five games. So 
having them uh, both back is definitely a boost. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you got any more thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, it's really good to have them back for sure. Um, and shout out to Bogey, man. I just want to read off his last four games real quick uh, since coming off the injury. So, first of all, he's played 30 minutes in every game except for his first game back. Um, but he's had 28, 17, 28, and 31. Um, so he has been phenomenal. He's been a great boost to the three-point shooting especially. Um, I know we weren't shooting a lot, not making a lot of threes earlier in the year. Um, so huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, and um, I know the Hawks could kind of blown by his minutes restriction, but he's like officially off a minutes restriction, even though I don't think uh, they seem to care about that as they were just, they were just playing him a lot more than he probably should. But uh, yeah, he's full go. Uh, hopefully he's feeling um back to hundred uh, percent coming off that injury. So uh, yeah, I think we, uh, we covered it all with all three of the teams. So um, if you made it this far listening in this one, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. So we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.